Hello and welcome to Better Under Pressure. I'm Sarah Milne-Rowe, author of The Shed Method and founder of Coaching Impact. And in this podcast, I talk to leaders from all walks of life about being better under pressure and using pressure for better. I want to explore how we handle pressure in a world that is becoming more and more complex, the impact that that pressure has on our ability to perform at our best and what we do to be better under pressure. It's like any muscle, right? If you're going to the gym and you're looking to work on a muscle, develop that muscle. You have to put that muscle to work. You have to stretch that muscle. You have to kind of push yourself to the limit. Probably isn't the safest, most effective way to do it, but you need to put yourself in high pressure situations. That's the only way you're going to learn how to cope with pressure. You can read all the books. You can understand the theory behind it, but until you're in it, you won't know how you're going to respond and how you're going to react. The more difficult the situation, the more you navigate your way through it, that becomes your baseline level. So you can never go below that point of pressure. I've been here, I've done this. I was able to get through that. I'm going to be able to get through this. Juro Oye is the founder and CEO of 2020 Change, a multi-award winning social enterprise leading the way to a more diverse and inclusive workforce in the UK. It empowers young black professionals to flourish in the workplace. Juro designed the award-winning I Am Change 10-week programme which focuses on developing young people's self-awareness, vision, persistence and dignity. He's also a qualified mindset coach with a degree in graphics and advertising, a diploma in documentary filmmaking and is a fellow at the Acumen Academy. And all this after, and probably as a result of, almost a decade of criminality between the ages of 12 and 21. Juro is a passionate storyteller and uses documentary film to enable marginalised youth to frame their own narrative. Since producing his first independent film in 2013, he's gone on to produce the documentary films County Lines, Teenage Drug Runners for the BBC and two seasons of Gangland for Channel 5. In our conversation, Duro describes the exact moment when he turned his back on crime, why he felt it necessary to support Manchester United and how he turns difficult conversations into a game. I'm eternally grateful, Juro, that we've got this time together because I know you're busy and specifically that tonight you've got a very big event, which is your documentary. So I'm very, very grateful. And and I think this is, for me, this is a conversation about pressure, you know, how it shows up, mm. how you've dealt with it. And when I first heard you talk, I just thought, wow, here's a guy who understands pressure <laughs> in, 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 in for himself, but also for the people that you're you're working with um, in your mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so so maybe we could just start, Juro, with you mm-hmm. talking a little bit about just how pressure's shown up for you in your life. Start wherever you like, but there's something for me that would be very, very helpful to sort of get an essence of what pressure is for you. Well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, and I'll, I'll dive into the question. Um, to yeah. me, pressure is what happens when you're at a point where you can't take any more and what you've invested on the inside of you comes out in that moment and for me i feel like my life my life's work is all about ensuring that people are making the right kind of deposits in themselves Mm. so when they are in high pressure situations you know, the fruits of what they've already deposited on the inside of them comes out. 
And that's for me something that I've had to deal with pretty much my whole life or my whole adult life, I should say. But then it also kind of takes me back to growing up way before my time also. So all of these things have compounded and added to me becoming the person I am and being able to deal with high pressure situations in the way that I've managed to be able to just kind of deal with it and navigate. But for me, that's what pressure is when you're up against it and you feel like you can't take any more and then what you've got on the inside of you comes out. Great. So if we were to dig in that into that a little bit more, Juro, when can you remember? I mean, you actually refer to it as being as an adult, but can you remember the first time you felt pressure or you recognized that feeling that you just described? Yeah, funny story. So I think um I'll take you back to the first. So I was I wasn't born in the UK, I was born in Nigeria. When I came over there when I was about five or seven, I can't remember the age exactly, but I remember my first day of school and hmm. um, I walked in didn't know anyone had an accent picky hair um and then a young young boy came up to me and asked me first question he asked me was what football team do you support and I think in that moment I felt the pressure <laughs> to yeah. support a football team and then also the pressure to, to fit in yeah. I saw an opportunity to fit in um, because he was actually wearing a Man United jersey uh, with Eric Cantona on the back. So I was like, yep, I support Man United. <laughs> and you. I've been an ad hoc supporter of Man United ever since. Um, but I think, you know, you asked me to think back. I think that's the first time I felt pressured to, and I'll say pressured to fit in, pressured to, to, to morph into something that I'm not in order to be accepted interesting and did that feels like quite a um cognitive process for you mm. did, did you feel it anywhere else I mean how did you did, I mean I'm sure this has evolved and and we'll talk mm. more about how pressure has evolved for you in your journey which I found fascinating when we were first met but was it a cognitive sign or did you feel physically something before that realization that this is an opportunity for me to belong or fit in i think i felt something um what i felt i don't know if i can find the words to describe it mm-hmm. but i could definitely think back to actually feeling something and thinking this is an opportunity i think from a very early age i, I learned how to recognize opportunity both good bad and ugly um yeah. And over the years, I've kind of mastered the way of kind of like navigating my way through um, opportunities and rooms and spaces and people. Um, Mm -hmm. I learned to read people quite early. It's like a survival Mm -hmm. instinct, which I'm sure we'll kind of get into as we as we we go along. But growing up where I grew up in a way that I grew up, you kind of you have to be quick on your feet. You know, you've got to be sharp. You know, if you hesitate, (laughs) you could die. You know, so yeah, and obviously these are early stages. So I can't really pinpoint where it came from, but I've always kind of had it in me, and I, I don't feel like I was—I can't say I was born with it. I think it's being a product of the environments that I was in growing up, family that I grew up in, things that I saw, things I had to pick up quite early. But it was kind of like a gut feeling that yeah, 
yeah it's one of those moments I think that's so interesting Juro because you know in conversations that I have with leaders around pressure I mean, it, it, it physically feels like a life and death situation often, even mm. if it's just a board meeting or, you know, you're, or you're, mm. you're, you're going for investment or you've got some sort of resistance to something that you really want. But what you're saying there is for you, it was actually literally life or death in many, mm. in many opportunities, in, in many occasions. And so therefore that muscle of um, alertness to that became quite well honed very early yeah. on in your life is what I'm hearing. Mm. Would that be fair? Absolutely. That's very fair, yeah. Yeah. And so as you've, so it's a bit of a gift, even though it probably didn't feel like it <laughs> for mm. the first part of your life. But one of the key reasons I wanted to talk to you, Joe, is because exactly of this sort of training that mm. you did subconsciously, but is now very conscious um, yeah. it, 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 to get you to to doing what fantastic work you're now doing and being a founder mm. of a company, which we will get to, but I'm quite interested in how how the muscle gets built. Absolutely. Your story is like such an immense amount of pressure at an early age that you could have equally, and I'm sure you saw many people, get, get stuffed by that pressure or get completely yeah. halted by the pressure, but you found a way through it. And I, I'd love us to just unpick that a little bit which I'm sure you yeah, do sure. with the young people that you work with what, how did you hone it recognize it and work with it you know I think it's like any muscle right if you're going to the gym and you're looking to work on a muscle develop that muscle you have to put that muscle to work you have to stretch that muscle you have to kind of push yourself to the limit and this probably isn't the safest most um effective way to do it but you need to put yourself in high pressure situations right that's the only way you're going to learn how to cope with pressure you can read all the books that you want you can understand the theory behind it but until you're in it you won't know how you're going to respond and how you're going to react you know and the 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 more difficult the situation the more you navigate your way through it that becomes your lowest baseline level. So you can never go below that point of pressure, right? So it's like, I've been here, I've done this. I was able to get through that. I'm going to be able to get through this. So there are things that come up in your life. And I've had, we joke about this in my household because my wife always tries to, uh, she jokes around with me. So I'm always like, well, I've had a hard life, so I deserve this. But, you know, we joke, but it's actually very real and very serious, you know. So it's like, because you've been through certain things, you know that what I'm facing right now is a walk in the park. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been in worse situations. And, you know, you go to the work that I do with young people, but I deal with some of, you know, young people, some of the young people that we deal with have been in real extreme situations, you know, life or death situations. And then maybe they enter into a boardroom and they need to pitch for their business. I'm like, bro, this, this is a walk in the park. You've, yeah. You know, if you're dealing with keyboard warriors and going back and forth on email, that's nothing compared to where you're coming from. And that's yeah. the mindset, right? So it's like yeah. everything else becomes the breeze because what I've had to deal with in order to get here half of the people that I'm engaging with now will probably melt and crumble under a small amount of that pressure that I've been through. So it's having that understanding. So you have to push yourself, put yourself in these situations, but looking at it in a safe environment. But from some of the young people, and some of my experience, it's life or death, you know, fight or flight. Yeah, literally. (laughs) You know, 
if I don't make it through this, there is no tomorrow. Yeah. You know, um, but it's about understanding that and understanding that because you've put yourself in those higher pressure situations for X amount of years, you're better off for it now. And my message to young people is different, meaning that you don't need to put yourself through that. I've been through that for you and I've gone ahead to, to make that path a lot smoother for you. So you don't have to put yourself in those life or death situations. You can deal with the boardroom back and yeah. forth. You know, you don't need to go out on the streets and, and, and do things that you've heard others do because yes. essentially they've overcome that. So you can then be able to do what you So that, that's kind of my mentality to it. Like you, you, you really have to put yourself through difficult situations to really kind of test how strong you are. And it's not physical strength, it's mental strength. You know, um, I used to say something coming up. I said, you, you test the strength of a man by his ability to be able to hold himself in. Hmm. You know, when you think about that, it's like you want to explode. You should explode. That like, this situation deserves someone. You, you really to be able to lash out, but you don't. You just kind of take it in. You breathe. You know, yeah. we've got yeah. we've got um, breath work exercises that we oh, deliver yeah. on our program now. You know, and that's something from you know the, the, the communities that we serve. What's breath work? Where where on earth would they have heard of breath work? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we introduce them to these things. And it's like in a high pressure situation, just take a moment, take a breath, regulate your breathing. Yeah, and it helps. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you can really diffuse high tension, high pressure situations by your breathing and by your words yeah. you know and I'm, I'm a huge believer in meditation you know yep. meditating having quiet moments slowing things down really assessing looking at everything from a bird's eye view how am I going to navigate through this it's not just the first instinct that comes to me that I I, I, I act on yeah I have to explore the options and presumably that's that sort of understanding that you just articulated there Jura has come with time yeah. So that you can then package it up in a way that, as you've just said, is useful. You've done the hard yards. Mm. You don't need to do them. These are the things that make a difference. Sort of believe me is what I'm hearing from what you're saying. Mm. But, mm. but if we were to track back to your journey, yeah. can you share a moment where you were in extreme pressure and you almost like found those those phases that enabled you to hold yourself strong when actually everything else was screaming something mm. else. Can you just take us to a moment where you learnt that? I think setting up the organisation, you know, it was one of probably, probably one of the most hardest things I ever had to do mm-hmm. because I was entering into uncharted territories, completely new. I had zero experience, zero support mm. um, in the early stages. So I kind of le- had to learn on the job and at every turn, I would get doors shut in my face, you know, because what we deal with on our program is high level psychology, mindset adjustment, getting people to think differently. And when I started back in 2013, you know, um, lived experience wasn't the buzzword that it is now. So people looked at me, looked at my background, looked at my education and my qualifications, everything was created. I had no psychology I didn't have a psychology background or anything so people always um underplay the impact that I could have 
And that was deeply frustrating because, like you said, I'd done the hard job. I'd done the work on myself, turned yeah. my life around. And now I felt like I was in a position to help others do the same. Yeah. Um, but at every given opportunity, I get that no in my face. So I had to do those things that I'm saying now in terms of pause, breathe, and be like, okay, they can't see this. And I, and I can't stand here and be angry at them and try and force it upon them. I need to think of another way to get around this, you know, and I had to mentally kind of forgive them for their short-sightedness. Right? <laughs> so you, can't, you can't fault someone being short-sighted you know it's my responsibility to present it in a way that they can see and understand um so that's when those kind of processes kind of came in and i had to be extremely patient um which wasn't always my strong suit i was an individual that had i was short fuse you know and, and once that fuse is gone that's it so over time i had to unlearn certain hmm. things and understand that that's not the best way to go meaning that you can't fight your way through every situation or through every every, every issue you have to find a way to come to a mutual understanding and bring people to the table either bring them to your level or step up to their level um so i think that that for me was kind of like the first time i had to take my frustrations and turn it into my power really so now people talk about having a superpower and, and I say that one of my superpowers is my ability to have difficult conversations. So I don't I don't allow the other person's viewpoint affect me emotionally. I understand that that's your viewpoint. Now my responsibility to help you see things from a different perspective. And that's the game. Before we continue, I want to dig into a few things Duro has just shared. Breaking up with a habit is a hard thing to do. In fact, you can never completely break up with or delete a habit. It's always lurking around to be reignited if you choose to give it energy. So when Duro mentions that he had to learn to be patient, that would have taken a lot of effort. A lot of effort turning an old feeling of frustration into what is now his superpower, his ability to have difficult conversations. Because the only way to unlearn a habit is to actively decide to create a stronger, more powerful habit to override it. I love hearing Duro describe the ingredients that helped him override his old habit. First, he changed the story. Instead of letting the frustration overtake him, he would say to himself, yep, I understand that's your viewpoint, and it's my responsibility to help you see things from a different perspective. Not always easy, I know, but that's when Duro's second ingredient really helps. He makes it a game. The game is, can I help this person see it from a different perspective? He says, I don't allow others to affect me emotionally. And that's the game. It feels lighter, more enjoyable, less pressure. So, if you want to learn a new habit, keeping it light, a game, a fun experiment, can help you learn faster. It becomes a playful, what if I try this, or let's see what happens if I do this, inquiry, rather than a giving yourself a pressured, time-bound ultimatum. My sense is that you're adapting a skill that you were doing in, a, in the past, but you're making it into a much more positive force for what you wanted to create as a founder of this company and mm. to impact young lives in a way that has, uh, you know, your mission lives and breathes that. Mm. 
I suppose what I'm finding interesting is I suspect you were probably doing that in some shape before you chose yeah. to change your life. Would you Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. And, you know, like you rightly said, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. You know, like a lot, a lot of what I was doing, I didn't know I was doing. I didn't yeah. know that I could do it in a positive way. I didn't have anybody around me to show me how to, you know, use those skills in a positive way. I only had people that was showing me how to use it in a negative way and you know that was what I saw so I emulated that you know yeah. until I removed myself from certain environments placed myself in new environments and I, and, I, and I got to grow and learn under the wings of people that had those same skills but never walked yes. my path right and I was like okay so this is the way to do it you know this, this is the way to navigate this space and with that knowledge and that information came again a huge amount of pressure on my shoulders because it's like, am I the first one from where I come from to discover this? And if I'm not the first one, why hasn't anybody else showed others that this was possible, you know, to utilise the skills that they acquired from doing a lot of the wrong things that we did as transferable skills that one could make you very successful, you know, mm. which is what a lot of these young people are looking for. Yeah. To live a very comfortable life, to make a lot of money. Yeah. And most importantly, you don't have to constantly look over your shoulder. Mm. Yeah. Why is no one saying this? So I felt I didn't need to be a multimillionaire or a billionaire or have, you know, a FTSE 100 company to be able to share this information to those that are still in arms at arm's length away from me, I felt like I could do this now. And if I take one step forward, I reach back, bring other people to where I'm at, take another step forward, and we just continue moving forward that way. And by the time, you know, we're hitting heights of success, we're doing it together. Yeah. And then that became my life's mission. I felt like I needed to, I needed to pass this information on, and I couldn't be the only one that had this information. And the higher I went, the more I started to recognize those same qualities that I have in other people. And the more I shared my story, the more other yep. people felt comfortable to share their story. And in my mind, I'm listening to them and I'm taking it on board and appreciating how far they've come. So I'm like, well, so why didn't you do nothing? <laughs> you know, yeah. but why is it now you're telling me, oh, sure, I'm so inspired by your story, I love what you're doing, but you've been at this level for several years. And in my opinion, you've got nothing to show for it apart from, you know, the big house, the big car and, you know, the fancy clubs and all of that. But where are the other people that you brought along on this journey? For me, that's what's inspiring. For me, that's what's meaningful. It's about you've been given access to something. Immediately you're thinking, who else needs to benefit from this? Yeah. It's not just about me, myself and I, because at the end of the day, once you're successful, your family's successful. You're able to provide for your family, and then what? <laughs> you know, it's got to be more, right? So why wait until you know you're in your midlife, maybe 50, 60, or whatever, then you think about giving back? Like everyone's got something that they can give right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's such a strong message, and um there's so many things you said in that, Juro, that I want to pick up on, but I 
I remember having a brief conversation when we first met. I think we were mm. in the corridor somewhere and, and you said, and I was asking you about a particular situation that I really wanted your guidance on, if you remember. And mm -hmm. I remember you saying um, something like, you know, I, I've taken, I think you said something like 450 young people down the wrong path in the first part of my life. And now mm. I've at least got to take 450 people into a stronger path and then more. No, and that yeah. really struck me that you had turned that into a positive force for you. Yeah. And also just in this conversation just now, you just said, you know, it's a, it was a transferable skill. These things that mm. I was part of doing was a skill, you know, going down a not a necessarily great path, but nevertheless, it was a skill. And you recognize that actually that's all transferable. When did you recognize that? When did you make a choice to think enough? 16th of August, 2006. No, but it's so interesting that it's like imprinted, right? That feels no, like is. a really, really positive, like Absolutely. second for you. Yeah, 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 it was definitely kind of like a road to Damascus type moment for me, in a sense where it's like I knew I couldn't continue doing what I was doing because I've been doing it for so long, and I'd re reached certain heights where. If I went any higher, it's either I'd end up in prison, end up killed, or I don't know, maybe a mental institution. But people around me were going down those free paths. Some were even getting deported because obviously if you commit a crime of that magnitude, mm. you're not a British citizen. So that wasn't my situation, but all of these things were happening around me. And I just I was thinking like, you know, I know I, I knew I had something mm -hmm. and I knew I hadn't applied myself in the best possible way because i always knew that you know there's always more that i could do and what i was currently doing was just kind of scratching the surface but i never saw anyone did that what yeah. was more that i had in mind so there was that element of i don't know whether whether it's actually possible right but then it was that willingness to actually try because at the end of the day it's like what do i have to lose right I've already built, quote unquote, wealth, comfortable life for myself. You know, I had a reputation and I had everything that I wanted at the time, but I still knew that there was more because I knew that that wasn't sustainable. Mm. Right. And, you know, you try to clean the money and do positive things, but it just never really amounts to it. So I also felt that my mum's prayers protected me for X amount of years. And I felt like I was running out of layers of protection. Oh, <laughs> you know, so it's like I've come to an age of accountability and okay. I decided to turn it around. So I was involved in criminality from the age of 12, right through to 21. And over those years, I write a rose and rose and rose and rose through the ranks. So I got in. That's why I also joke around not really having a childhood. So I had to grow up very quickly. So a lot of these things, these qualities, these skills were instilled in me from early. Um, and I was using them, using them quite well. So I was very successful at, at you know, the wrong things I was doing. But then there was this niggling thing on the inside of me that like, is it luck? Or are you really as brilliant mentally as you think? And then there was that. Um, and I started thinking, really and truly, anybody could do what I'm doing and become successful if they just, you know, so this brilliant mind of mine that you, you claim to have, these brilliant thoughts, these brilliant ideas, 
that you never put to work apart from utilizing it in this wrong way. Why don't you just try and do something with it and, and see what happens? <laughs> you know? And then that 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 was that niggling thing. And I just thought, at least if I try and it doesn't work out, I can say I tried. I can't not try it and then just continue down this path. There's a lot of the young people that I started to come across. A lot of them come turn around to me and say they had no choice. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the, the environments that they grew up in, the households that they grew up in, led them down this path. I don't have that story. I don't have that experience. I came from a loving home, two-parent household. You know, my, my parents sent me from Nigeria to my sisters. It was very loving. They provided me with everything that I needed. But all my issue was I had big eyes. That was my issue. And I told everyone that asked me, it's, it's, it's the issue of having wanting more than what you need and what was provided for you. So I was always looking at everything else out there. I was like, why do they have that and I don't? So I'll go out and get it. So that that transition came for me when I realized one that my mum's prayers were gonna the, 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 the layer of protection was gonna run out and I needed to develop my own. Um my faith had a major part part to me to turning things around. Um because I also felt like I've been dilly-dallying one foot in, one foot out of my faith. What would happen if I go all in? You know, mm. and like I was all in doing what I was doing before and I, and I happened to be successful in doing that. And I try this. So it was just that element of trying, let's see if it works. Mm. And yeah, when I finished uni, I said I was going to go back. I was going to get rid of everything that I, I, I attained from, from that world. So everything that came with it started from zero moved back into my mum's house, gave up my apartment, car, all of that stuff. I started from scratch and I, I buried myself in the church. Um, I was in the church for about two and a half years, just learning. That was where the mindset shift came from, listening to what they were saying, but then practically applying it to my life mm-hmm. and taking what I was learning there, incorporating it to what I learned on the streets and seeing how I could use what I learned from the streets, um, redefined in this biblical way to do good and help people. And the result is what we have in 2020. Amazing. So the environment change, the people that I surrounded myself with, the mentality, and then using that and continuously thinking about what I could do is what landed us here. But I can't stress enough the environment yeah. and the people. Mm. I cannot stress those two things enough because they were major factors in showing me what was possible. Because I was then became around, I came surrounded by people that were doing positive things, meaningful things, very comfortable, you know, able to afford the kind of lifestyle that I had when I was on the streets, but they don't have all the stresses that come along with it. Okay, I could do this. And because it happened so early in my life, I I made the film at the age of 26. So the church that I was a part of had a TV station attached to it. So I I then was volunteering. Um, I studied graphics and advertising at university. So I just moved from um, graphic design to motion graphics, went to film school, fell in love with filmmaking, made the documentary, met the young guys. And I thought, "This, this is my angle. I can connect with these individuals and their stories were far worse than mine. So they saw me as someone that made it out, even though I was still 
I wasn't at the level that I was before financially, but the mindset was there. Yeah. And they, they 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 said that they never met anybody that had that mindset, but had that mindset in a positive way. And that inspired me to want to do more. And here we are. A, a, such a, a useful and interesting story, Jura, which I know is only sort of like skim the surface of yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I just love that point you make about the power of the environment and the power of people that you surround yourself with. And I also like this dynamic you talk about in terms of what if I just tried and at the same time you're saying, but I need to immerse myself. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like all in something. Yeah. It seems to be important if you're going to try and get out of something. And I, I think that's interesting when you think about habits and practices that enable you to have either more resilience or deal with pressure better. Um, it's this dynamic between let's experiment with something, but actually go all in. All in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't do something half-heartedly and, and, and expect the kind of results that you're trying to get. I was all in in the life that I was living. That's only right that I'm all in in this. Yeah. And let's then compare and contrast. So even if I was to give myself, how many years is it from 12 to 21? I was all in in that lifestyle for that amount of time. So let me do same comparison and give myself to this same amount of years and let's see. And it didn't take me long. It didn't take me long. Probably like eight eight to nine years of doing the straight and narrow thing to make as much as I made from doing mm. you know, a lot of the wrong things. So even if you want to measure it in financial terms, it was there. But for me, it was bigger than the, than, than, than the material gain. It was yeah. the growth. It was the development. It was the person that I'm becoming. Yeah. And I say becoming because it's an ongoing process. You know, I'll talk about the transition. Yeah. Yeah, or how yeah. I'm transitioning, I'm growing, I'm evolving. And I'm like, if I'm like this now, what am I going to be like in the next 10, 15, 20 years? That's my mentality. That's the way I'm looking at it. So I'm grateful for my journey. Mm. I'm grateful for the challenges and the obstacles along the way because I believe it's made me the person that I am. Um, I'm grateful for my mom's prayers because that's helped protect me from a lot of things. Um, a lot of the spaces that I take up today, I probably wouldn't have been able to take up if you know, I had a criminal record and all these other things that come along with, with living that life. So I owe it to my mother and her prayers to be able to go back and ensure that others don't make the same mistake that I made and they can navigate this world, you know, a yeah. lot better than I did. And and what I'm hearing ringing out of this um, story, Juro, is this strong force of beyond self-interest you know the energy that you can get from a purpose that's beyond self-interest which is what I'm hearing helped you jump from one immersion into the other immersion Mm, absolutely it's great and also I think the other thing that I'm taking from this which hopefully is well it resonates with the work that I do is like often you're, you're talking to a leader who who wants something wants to be better in a particular area, but they're also off, but they're also running this skill somewhere else in their life. You know, it might be on the football pitch or it might be running or mm. it might be the way they're parenting or it might be the way they're looking after their 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 siblings or something. But there is a skill that's they've they've compartment compartmentalized. compartmentalized yeah. yeah. Outside of what they're currently doing. And when you can start making the connection, which your 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 story totally embraces, 
is is recognize the skill set you have wherever you have it in the world and just point it in a direction that's that's better yeah. you know or where you want to have the impact feels that's really what, strong that's exactly what it is it's about stripping it back you know right through to the bare minimum who am i yeah why am i here what's my purpose here understanding those three things will help you live a way more fulfilled life and i think people ask themselves those questions far too late in life thankfully yeah. i was able to ask myself early early enough but i'm asking those same questions to young people earlier at a younger age than when i was asked with the hope that once they get it they can also pass it on so when they're having kids you know it's that same that same kind of feeling where they can instill these core values in there from early so a young person you know at a tender age has a clear direction of where it is that they're trying to go and if they can start on that journey early enough nothing's stopping them from succeeding as i listened back to this conversation with juro i pressed pause more than once at the point where he said it was the growth of the person i was becoming that was very powerful i wanted to help people navigate the world better than i did a perfect example of the power of purpose energy beyond self-interest. Why what we do really matters. The source that can enable all of us, if we can connect to it, to keep going, whatever the pressure. For me, the question, who am I becoming, has more possibility in it than who am I? And I found myself hovering over these words because I think it's a useful question to ask to keep the force of purpose energy alive and moving. To continue evolving, as ourselves, with each other, with the teens we lead, in a world that is increasingly complex and creating stacks of pressure for many of us, maybe we should tap into these small questions with big answers more often. Who are you becoming? Or, who do you need to become? Hmm, back to Juro. Your experience thus far in your life and someone was listening to this thinking I just want to be better under pressure I want to deal with pressure better and turn it into a force for good what would be your two pay forwards I mean that might be one of them that you've just mm -hmm. described yeah there. that would definitely be one of them what might I think be another the second one? one the second one I'd say is asking yourself that question as to why you want to be better under pressure mm. it sounds like a good thing you know, I can I can function under pressure. It sounds like one of those lines in your CV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it works well under pressure. But to yes. what end? You know, what purpose? It has to be bigger than you. It has to be bigger than your role. It has to be bigger than your business. You have to think about it in the whole grand scheme of things. You being a person that can deal with pressure well, how does that make society better and, and and this is just my way of thinking right I, everything that i do or i'm involved in has to be bigger than it has to have a long-lasting impact so i like to remove myself from certain situations and equations and be like what have, what is it that i've done that can stand the test of time and if you look at pressure in that same way you will have a different level of respect for it in mm. fact, you'd encourage it, you'd welcome it when it shows up because it's an opportunity for you to kind of step up and be like, okay, there's pressure again. It's a, it's a great opportunity for me to put 
myself to the test because you know that you'll be stronger on the flip side of it. You know, let's say pressure makes diamonds, right? So if you think about a lot of these things that we cherish so much, they've come from pressure. So if you cherish yourself and you put yourself in those high pressure situations, just think about the possibility of what can come out on the flip side and how that could be better for society, for family, for your partner and everything else that you hold there. But yeah, I think that that would be my last kind of takeaway. Like remove yourself from that equation and think about what that equal pressured person would be able to give. Great place to stop, Jura. Thank you so much. Bye. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Better Under Pressure with me, Sarah Milne Rowe. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and let us know what you found useful or what you'd like to know more about. Our aim is to share as many examples as possible of what people do to manage pressure for better. If you're interested in any of the practices mentioned, check out my book, The Shed Method. Alternatively, you can find us at Coaching Impact or me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Better Under Pressure was produced by the fab team at Smart Cookie Media. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, goodbye.